Welcome back, everybody, to the Doctor Who Flashcast. I'm Jason Snell, and we are discussing Series 11, Episode 4, Arachnids in the UK. That's a Sex Pistols reference, everybody. Joining me <laughs> is uh, somebody who I had a whole conversation about Doctor Who in unexpected fashion on a totally different podcast It from the Mac Observer is Jeff Gamut. Hello. Hey, it's great to be here, uh, especially because having an opportunity to just unabashedly go on about Doctor Who. Right. We don't have to like, it is not, not a tangent now. This is what this is about. It's just about this. This is just awesome. We can go on a tangent about computers later if we want to, but we probably should. We probably should just stick to the facts, which is Doctor Who, um, Arachnids in the UK. I'm going to call it Anarchy in the UK at some point. Uh, I'm just going to do that, but that's not its name. It's Arachnids in the UK. So in this episode, which is written by Chris Chibnall, the showrunner, um, our our, uh, little friends... Uh, Graham, Yaz, and Ryan finally get back to Sheffield, their home, after a bumpy ride in the TARDIS. But before we see them, the first thing we see is recognizable, especially from Law & Order, uh, American actor Chris Noth, who is a rich guy. Uh, We don't know all the details quite yet, but uh, he's a rich guy with political aspirations. He wants to be president, and he owns a bunch of luxury hotels all around the world. Hmm. Interesting. And yeah. in hmm. his first act in this episode, he says to a woman who we later discover is Yaz's mother, he says, you're fired. So, uh-huh. uh, you know, it's out there. Uh, what is funny is revealed later, which is that he is actually a rival of Donald Trump and has hated Donald Trump, which is why he's planning on running against him, uh, which is very much one of those. Yeah, we know this guy is basically Donald Trump, but we said that Donald Trump is someone else. So what are you going to do? What you <laughs> like? Yeah. Interesting little sleight of hand there. Um so Chris Doth is the first thing we see. And I don't know, I've watched enough modern Doctor Who that I had that moment of like, oh boy, here we go. It's going to be yet another um, monomaniacal, uh, megalomaniacal uh, American businessman. It's usually American, not always, but so- usually American businessman in a suit who is a cartoon villain and will be dispatched in the most horrible way possible. And uh, I mean, it's happened again and again. And guess what? That doesn't happen, which is nice. Yeah. I I was surprised, uh, pleasantly surprised. I mean, there there was definitely some ham-fisted, I'm the American business man sure. stuff. I got this gun here. We like to shoot things. He didn't do a yeah. yeehaw, but there was definitely a little of that d- in there. D- yeah, they went right up to the yeehaw line and stopped. <laughs> and I appreciate they didn't cross that line. Uh, uh, but when we got to the resolution for that character... And there wasn't the the comeuppance. There 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 wasn't anything that that showed that he had to pay a price or acknowledge his his role, his actions, his responsibilities. I found that very interesting. Yeah, I mean, I imagine that if we want to apply a little kind of like what happened next is that what happened next is that he had to spend a lot of money. And also, there are going to be investigations into the people who died, and his bodyguard and the uh, the other woman from the hotel uh, are wrapped in giant, you know, spider webs. And so, there's going to be issues, and it's going to potentially be scandalous. But in the end, what he's going to ha- probably have to do is just spend a lot of money to clean it all up and clean up the mess that he made underneath Sheffield. Uh, but mm-hmm. yeah, it, it, throughout the episode, you are kind of waiting for his horrible demise. I actually thought, well, it's really weird that they got Chris Noth to be in two scenes and have him killed in the bathroom by a spider. But that's not what happened. And I thought, yeah, I, I was thinking the exact same thing. Like, wow, that they show him as the big guest star, uh, like when they did the the rundown of of guest stars right. after the first episode. And I thought, seriously, he's going to die right now. And, and then I thought, okay, wait, maybe they're going to do one of those things where where he now gets possessed or yes, has some right. spider alien planted in him and and he's still the 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 monster bad guy. Yep, but that didn't happen. Instead, um uh, and this is this is a thing that uh, that's actually one of the things I like the most about this episode is he is um, although he is always a stuffed shirt billionaire who thinks he's better than everyone else and all of those things, he is allowed to do things that are funny, say mm-hmm. things that are funny, and have people react to him 
in ways that are funny. And so by the end, I was, I mean, this is, I cannot remember the last time I laughed out loud as many times as I did in this episode of Doctor Who. And many of those la- those laughs were around Chris Noth's character that there were there were just like funny mm-hmm. things he says, weird quirky things he does like when his the facial bo- expressions. Yeah, yeah, and when his bodyguard dies and and, and the, you know and he's like I don't have a Kevin. I lost my Kevin. It's like <laughs> I know I laughed. So strange. And then I felt guilty for laughing because I'm laughing at at the death of his bodyguard. <laughs> his bodyguard, right? But yet at the same time it's like it's such a strange uh uh, he's just i mean this is character it, it's a character that is not um there's another layer like there is the doctor who flat uh evil businessman kind of character and the difference here is that there's another layer on top of that that is this weird <laughs> quirky layer that says yeah you know he's kind of the bad guy but at the same time he's weird and everybody reacts fun you know in funny ways to him and we're gonna make mm-hmm. this we're gonna we're gonna take it up a level we're gonna make him more than just the the person that you hiss because you know he's the you know he's the bad guy we're gonna make him strange in a bunch of different ways that you don't expect and and so mm-hmm. I, I i was very happy about how he's handled. I mean, it's funny that we're talking about him now but like it, if anything stands out in this episode, other than I mean, there's a lot of great character stuff that we'll get to, but like the the humor and how it kind of emanates from Chris Noth, who is not like a super wacky guy that you think of, but and it's not all the, his character; it's also the Doctor and her companions reacting negatively to him because he is a jerk, and mm-hmm. they they do that in a funny way too. So it all kind of adds up to to being. Um, I thought, yeah, I think pretty much everything about him was delightful, especially since I was really expecting it to be. Kind of an eye rolly part where I was like, "Why does he? Why did he even want to do this?" Because I know what this part is going to be, and then I was like, "Oh, he's actually having fun being kind of weird, and that's good." Yeah, at the end of the episode, I totally got why he wanted to do it because it, it was not the character we expected. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's 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 Trump esque, and I guess you know you could say Michael Bloomberg esque, and that kind of a that kind of a character who would who's planning to run for president and is a super rich, powerful guy and looks down on people, but he he ends up toting you know he 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 is he is pulled along on this adventure with the doctor and her companions and uh a- along the way they comment about him he comments about them uh he says weird stuff sometimes and it's all just like yeah it's it, he ends up getting having an adventure and yet also throughout he never is having fun like he's always like why doesn't no why doesn't anybody listen to what i say <laughs> i own this place there he's like you can't go down there and they're like we don't care and he's like all right i guess i'll go down there nor does that get get that turn he does have a turn where he shoots the dying spider which is like not mm-hmm. much of a heel turn for him to do but like when they go down underneath the hotel and find out that everything's going on his response is not yes you have discovered why i could not allow you down here and now i must kill you right instead he's like Meh, i don't I wasn't responsible. I pay people and they were bad, but it wasn't me. I just signed the contracts. That's that's all I do. Yeah. Which I think is actually a more realistic portrayal of what a person like this would be in a situation like that is, look, I pay Mm -hmm. people to do the bad stuff. I don't do it and I don't want to know what they're doing. And they went too far here, but, you know, I'm going to downplay my responsibility and that's... And hey, it's just business. Yeah, exactly right. So, um I, I again a great a great deal of relief uh ended up being a very funny character um so we we did, should talk about, yo, go, go ahead uh, did you feel like there was no monster of the week this week yeah well okay so um w- w- i feel like we're almost doing this whole episode backward from the uh, the the recap version of it but that's fine i i like picking off these uh these different aspects of the show in any order um yeah well the spiders the spiders are the monsters this week but what we what is established actually very early on and then reinforced as we go is the spiders aren't the villains the spiders have been experimented on they're still just spiders but they're too big 
And so it's, they're kind of tragic, right? Because they don't mm-hmm. know they're outsized for their ecosystem and they don't fit in the ecosystem anymore. And they're confused and they're just trying to be spiders. And there's that scene where they find the two characters hanging in spider webs at, like their food. And they're like, but they don't, mm-hmm. they don't eat people. And they're like, they don't know what they're doing. They're spiders and they're very confused because they're so big now. Like, yeah, it, it is. That's a very Doctor Who thing. And, and the doctor gives to, gets to give a a speech at, at some point about about this sort of thing but the idea that they're not that they're not monsters they're just afraid and the monster is as as frightened of us as we are of them is kind of the idea here um mm-hmm. and I, I i really enjoy that so yeah who the villain is chris noth essentially but he didn't create them he just was irresponsible in his company dumping all this stuff in to lead to this kind of industrial accident the spiders aren't to blame they just got experimented upon the researchers at the at the science lab the the you know arachnid lab aren't really to blame because they were they're they're trying to better humanity and they thought the i mean they're i guess they're to blame because they thought the spider was dead and the spider wasn't dead but it's like not that's not but they also thought they were responsibly disposing of the uh the spider carcasses in the end it is about uh not knowing where your trash goes when you throw it away, I guess. It's the, the real, the, the, the waste company really is, which is owned by Chris Noth, Noth is mm-hmm. the, uh, uh, the real villain here. But yeah, it's, it's kind of nice, right? I, I like, I, I like that. I wouldn't want it every single time, but I do like it when the horrible, hideous, scary monster, which is dangerous and could kill us, but it's not evil. It's just, you know, it, it, it didn't ask to be here and it's just doing what it does. Yeah. And, uh, and it felt to me, like a really nice balance to last week's episode, which was uh, pretty heavy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, that that's true. It was. It was. This was a. We're gonna have a. We're gonna have an outlandish monster, and we're gonna have a lot of a lot of jokes. <laughs> I think very much. I mean, I think this feels like a first season of a showrunner in the sense that I feel like Chris Chibnall has very carefully chosen how he wants these episodes to run and why he wants them to run where they are and that this is absolutely intended to be a change of pace i also think and this is actually one of the other things that i think is really good about this episode is he made a decision very much like how i feel like especially russell t davis did with rose uh back in 2005 to um have have us spend some time with the character before we go back and get to engage with their personal lives engaging with a companion's personal lives is a thing that the modern doctor who series does that the original Mm -hmm. series didn't and with rose you know they have like uh, they go to the future they go to the past um, and then eventually they go back to london for the farting aliens and this this episode is is the everybody goes back home episode and i think it's very smart not only is that change of pace after rosa but I think super smart in now now it's time to look at you know to meet Yaz's family to have Ryan uh, and Graham deal with Ryan's dealing with a letter from his father Ryan and Graham are dealing with their grief uh, at Grace's death and Mm -hmm. it's like this is the time for that because like I know those characters now after three episodes in a way that I wouldn't have if they had jumped straight to it so it's like now that they've got just gotten back home 30 minutes after they left which is also a, a nice touch because everybody else you know, I just saw you and for them, they've been gone on all these amazing adventures, but now they have to grapple with the fact that it is basically later in the day after Grace's uh, funeral, I think mm-hmm. basically right now. Yeah. And, and, and I liked them exploring the, the families this week. Uh, and I'm going to go back to, to Rosa because we got to see this really nice character development there and especially with the bus scene mm-hmm. when when they have to sit there and let everything happen to rosa and the 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 whole thing with graham i don't want to be here right and and ryan having to sit in the back of the bus and uh, and you know and so we get to see that these these characters get just like emotionally tortured Uh 
And so, so we've seen this, this much more vulnerable side of all three of the companions. And then we roll into, and here's all the stuff that the baggage that they're bringing along anyhow and getting to meet Yaz's family. And I hope we get to, to, to see more of Yaz's family. Uh, and then, yes, and then, and then Graham having to deal with, with his grief at the loss of Grace and Ryan trying to come to terms with an estranged father and a father figure that, that's trying to be as compassionate as he can. It's, I'm really loving the, the character development for the companions. Mm. And I, I'm very pleased with the companions this year. Yeah, this is so this episode, I think like there is a there is a silly Doctor Who plot about giant spiders, but of course, wh- what yes. this episode is really about is about the characters. It, this is the episode where they go back to Sheffield. This is the episode where they are essentially they've been going under the assumption and this is this tension that doctor who companions always have which is uh they get swept up in in this maybe by accident or in this case i mean in this case it's by accident and they're returning home sometimes it's a impulse decision but there's this question like uh with rose again back in 2005 it was very much like i'll take you on a trip and then i'll take you home there's this promise that we're, we're going to go right back so when do they decide when do they make that decision so here doctor gets them home we get to see them in their lives for a little bit um the doctor there's this first kind of goodbye as if like okay well our initial agreement was that i would just get you home you weren't going to come with me and then everybody's super awkward and yaz is like come on have tea at mine and and the doctor is very eagerly very over eagerly like yeah yeah let's do that um uh-huh right and so and then we get we get to go to yaz and it's not like her apartment it's the place she lives with her sister and her mother and her father and so mm-hmm. we're immediately plunged into the, the there's a, a kind of a, a sis, sis, uh, sisterly sibling rivalry happening there. There's the father who's got his conspiracy theories about the garbage, which turn out to be actually true. Um, mm-hmm. The mother uh, is revealed to have been the woman who got fired in the in the opening scene. Uh, so we get all of that. Graham goes back to the apartment, which I think was really some really touching moments there where we see Grace yes. and the reflection in the background and out of focus where he he is after his little adventures, he's going back to the reality that his wife just died and that he's all alone in that place now. And uh, and yeah, and there are spider webs and there's a spider upstairs. So, you know, there's that, too, because it all has to tie together uh, now with Grace being uh, kind of out of focus and not quite totally in the shot and did you notice at the end of the episode when when graham uh seemingly comes to terms with with his emotions surrounding the loss of grace she's suddenly clearly in focus and very much in the in the in the frame yes yes i think- i, I thought that was a wonderful little uh, visual touch that's his progression like he's not and it's not that he's i mean you could shoot that and have it be like he's uh finally accepting that she's gone or whatever i think it's more like he's finally willing to engage with the fact that she's gone and he's in grief in that moment and then, yes and so then he sees her clearly and then she's gone that that that's him saying you know i am grieving which is why he goes back and he says you know um grief grieving is hard and i don't want to I don't want to just sit in that house right now. I need to do something and let this be it, which is, I would say, um, forgive me if I'm wrong, Doctor Who fans, but I, I that struck me as being a really interesting and unique way for somebody to say, this is why I want to travel right now, which is I've lost my partner and am enormously uh, grief stricken. And this is what's going to get me into the TARDIS is because I just don't, I don't want to be here right now. I thought that was absolutely fascinating and uh, and i totally believed it uh uh the actor's name bradley walsh is that right bradley yeah. walsh yeah he uh i believe he is graham and man i just love the way he's playing that character at i mean when when he has his emotional moments i believe those moments i am there with him and yeah and when he said i need to be here because I can't be at home, and and of course I'm paraphrasing, but that's what he was saying. I, I my heart was just breaking for him. It, it was yeah. awesome. I loved it. So, um, 
So we also get this vision into into Yaz and her life. We get to see Ryan. Ryan gets a letter from his his dad. He says, which he or from from Graham, and then uh, Ryan reads it. And uh, there's a there's a very nice moment there because there are all these relationships like uh, Ryan and Yaz. Everybody uh, in her family is asking if they're together, which they're not. They're just mates, uh, mm-hmm. but they've got a connection from school. Um, and then of course there's the Ryan Graham relationship, um, and it reaches a new point in in this moment where um, Ryan says, you know, my dad says he's family and all that, but he's not proper family. And it's very and then you know they have to run away from spiders at this point but it's very clear that that what ryan is getting at here or at least tiptoeing toward is the idea that graham is his family Mm -hmm. his proper family and and his dad is not and that's a an ongoing development is is what is their relationship because uh ryan has has held him at arm's length but with his nan gone um graham is in some ways, the only proper family he has left, and they do share their love of her, and now they're, they're traveling. So that's I love that that's an ongoing storyline here too, uh, as these characters evolve. It's 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 uh, uh, yeah, it's really great stuff. All all of these characters, and this is the thing about having it be episode four, is episode four we have been around these people enough that we know their names and we know a little bit about how they behave, and so then when we see them back with their families or in the in, in their town, it makes more sense than if than when we first meet them, and it has a a whole lot more uh, a whole lot more weight. Um, oh, the other things I was I, I wanted to mention about Ryan. Uh, mm-hmm. One of the things I like about Ryan is he is wacky. Like in the Rosa episode last week, we talked about on this podcast um, when he saves the day and shoots the guy back with a time gun. He he says to himself, "Great job, Ryan. Thanks, Ryan," <laughs> which is great. And in this episode, awesome. yes. he has a moment like that too, where um, where he figures out that they need to have like uh, vibrations to get the spiders to come, and he immediately throws out the name of a song and an artist. And yes, like I have no idea what you're talking about. He goes, "Oh, you're so." cool and then he plays it and it's just like uh it's ryan he's he's a little quirky uh in a funny way and and again that's very effective this season like you said i like these people and one of the things i like is that i've gotten to kind of know their their quirks and their uh and you know a little bit just little bits of uh of character moments and who they are as people and that's the most important thing i think in having a show be successful yes um oh uh, yeah go ahead with yaz interacting with her family it's I, it was so fascinating because it made some of the frustration she was experiencing in the first episode uh interacting with people professionally it it fits together now because we can see that in her in her home life she's frustrated she doesn't feel like she like she's heard uh every time her dad talks about what she does for a living and this has clearly happened often enough as he says police and and says woman as he starts to say police she starts talking at the same time he says police woman and she says police officer, officer. yeah and uh and and as i'm watching this i'm like okay i get why she was so frustrated in in that first episode with uh with the the business stuff of, of being a cop and now we're seeing it, it 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 was all just part of the baggage of her home life too yeah yeah oh the other one th- note i wanted to make a mention of is chris chibnall obviously did three seasons of broadchurch and broadchurch i mean broadchurch is a story about a story about a murder investigation and it's a story about the law and it's a story about a small town and yes 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 it's all those things but and about david Tennant being sad and olivia mm-hmm. coleman being frustrated it is all about those things but what if if you ask me what's what at its core is broadchurch about my answer would be grief because it's it, uh-huh. it, it it's about the it's about the death of a child and how the death of the child has these spectacularly horrible effects, including most notably the child's mother, Jodie Whittaker, plays that character. Um, uh-huh. And and so there are a few moments in here where they're back there when Graham goes back to his place and all that. And I thought, oh yeah, this is the guy who did Broadchurch because I felt it. I felt like this is what he does really well. In fact, I I would probably argue Chris Chibnall's um, plots 
in terms of like, I'm going to do a Doctor Who plot. And this was true when he wrote for Doctor Who before he was the showrunner. That's true of his Torchwood stories, I would argue. I don't think they're very strong. I think, I think he, and I think he knows it. I think he wants to keep it super simple and super linear. And so this is like, hey, there's some big spiders. Oh, we fixed the spiders. Um, because what he's really good at is character and um and and yes. emotion and setting a tone and uh and i i flashed on that when i saw the scenes with graham and i was like oh yeah yeah this is the guy who did Broadchurch. i get it i get what he's doing here yeah it did really feel like he wrote an episode where he said hey so there's these spiders but let me tell you about yaz and let me tell you about graham yeah oh and here's this great thing about Ryan. and it's doctor who so we have to have spiders I, a friend of mine said this felt like the most russell t davis episode uh in ages and i think there's truth in that in the russell t davis um was always you know there would be doctor who things poured into it but in the end he really did want it to be about the the people and and the impacts mm-hmm. on their life like regular people and the impacts on on their lives and and he had the housing estate in london for for so much of the especially the rose uh era of doctor who and then uh and then he had donna and her family right like the the reg- regular people right and mm-hmm. having this be in south yorkshire and sheffield and having these various families it did feel very much like that and it did feel very much like oh and it's doctor who so there's big spiders and that's our that's our hook and like it's not it whereas Stephen Moffat was like I have the most delightful idea for a Doctor Who monster around which I will place a story and this is the mm-hmm. opposite of that this is like yeah and there's some spiders it's fine um which is which is good and the difference I would say between the two and I'm, I'm curious if you thought this the ending to this story because we're all just mixed up and just jumping around in, in the plot here the ending of the story is oh well um we'll play a song really loud and that'll create vibrations and all the spiders will come back and we'll close the door and, and we'll just leave and, them. and and we'll leave them and they'll die and then we're everything's fine and it's very simple and my wife was like did they i don't think you to get all the spiders there were spiders roaming around the city um but in russell davis's era i feel like they would have been there would have been like they would have constructed a semi-magical um spider that would draw them all in and the, and and teleport them to spider planet and where everything uh-huh. would be fine like it would be a little more fantastical and a little more like yay it's great and i thought that chris chibnall's like yeah it's not the point anyway so our care it's the point is that our that ryan figures it out with a doctor's help and is able to solve a problem and save the day and and like that's that's all it needs to be because it's really not about i mean it's just you know we just need to solve the spider problem can we do that we we did it it's fine yeah well yeah they, they they gave us the premise of of the episode which is we have spiders so they had to resolve that and uh uh, but the spider part was really the throwaway part of the of the episode. So yeah, the, yeah. the way they did it, it was not a Russell T Davies approach because yes, he would he would have taken the safe room, and and the doctor would have realized that someone had constructed it without knowing it with the right dimensions to have the the harmonic vibrations to be able to be used as a trans-dimensional yes, conductor. Yes, I can make this something. a portal to the to Metabilis, the planet of the spiders, and then they'll all live with the other spiders on the on the planet of the spiders and they'll all be happy. And here it's like, man, no, we're just going to pretty much just close them. We'll just we, close we the door. We want to be home humane, but not too humane because we're just closing the door. I, I did appreciate the irony of a spider coming back up the drain though. It's like for that's for every spider that got washed down a drain. That was <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> that spider yeah. is is uh, is coming back up, uh, <laughs> and that's how you lose your Kevin. That is how you lose your Kevin. Oh, that was so funny. That was so strange. Um, trying to see uh, what else is going on here. Um, you know, there's just there's a lot of webs. Oh, uh, the, I, I wrote down. I'm just seeing what else I've got in my notes here. Um, I so un, some other funny things involving Chris Noth. Um, he is demanding is it is it chris noth at this point yeah he's demanding information about who who the doctor is and what is going on here and there's that great moment mm-hmm. where they're like she who's in charge she's in charge says who you know we do which is a great moment we're like no no no, she's in charge you're not in charge but uh he, he's asking all these questions and graham turns to him and says word of advice mate run now ask questions later which is like that I is doctor that who advice line uh-huh yep yeah yeah words to live by literally yeah in the world of doctor who yeah you got run run now ask questions later and then um there's also the the fact that everybody else for a couple of scenes 
we're all meant to know who Chris Noth is. Like he's obviously famous, and we, like the doctor, have no idea who he is. And uh, and that that leads ultimately to her saying. Oh, is he Ed Sheeran? Ed Sheeran is big in this time period, right? Which is great because time traveler, right? Knows yes. who the stars are. And it's like, Ed Sheeran is everywhere, right? This must be him. And they're like, it's not Ed it's not Ed Sheeran. <laughs> but I love that. That's just so totally weird and spacey and a thing that the doctor would say. And I loved that she she was not keeping up with the banter about about who Chris Noth's character was. And at one point she she goes, Wait, Ed Sheeran's running for president? <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, I I loved Yasmin's mom. And and I loved that she would not relent about who are these people? Who is this doctor? And I don't care that you're telling me that this is not the time for have to have this discussion about who who this doctor is because I don't think I like her and we're going to have this discussion. And ultimately they didn't, but uh I, I just loved that she would not relent. She she does not like what's going on in, in Yaz's life. Yeah. Yep. Yep. It's a, uh, that's, I mean, again, just to come back to it, this, this is the joy of this episode is that everybody's running around and they've all got little jobs to do for this spider thing. And they're, the plot gets pushed forward, but it's all about the character moments and the funny and the funny dialogue. Um, I had a moment where there, uh, I enjoyed the Graham, and Ryan being sent out on a mission part where their mission is to bring back a, a spider. Cause there's that, that moment where of dialogue where it's like, well, I really need to have a, a, a sample. And, and I'm like, Oh no. And then yeah. you can see Ryan and Graham like, Oh no. And then they cut to a hallway and I'm like, what are they going to do? Do they have like a giant glass to put over it? Cause that's what you do with a spider and then a piece of paper. And the answer is yes, they have that's a pot. Exactly what they do. They have a pot from the kitchen and they have a lid for it that they slide under. I'm like, okay, it's, it's still a spider. You, I guess you could do that. That's yeah. That's what you, that's what you do. Yeah. And yeah, when they did that, I, what I was doing leading up to that is as Graham is standing there and the spider's getting closer because of course they're setting a trap to catch a spider. And all I'm thinking is, are they going to try and do some net thing? Is there not something on the floor? Are they going to drop something from the ceiling? <laughs> what are they doing? And then here's Ryan. Bam! Big pot on top of the pot. spider. Yep, that's right. That's how you catch a spider. That's Yeah. And that's yeah, when he did it, I, I actually said out loud, of course. Because, of course, that's how you catch a spider. Yep. That's how, that's how it's done. Um, so the last spider, so they, they lead the spiders to the panic room with the, with the music and uh, lock them inside. Uh, that's fine. Um, the, there is, though, the mother spider, who they discover is dying because she's too big, because that's the thing that they always say. In, uh, anybody who is trying to apply science to horror movies about giant spiders says above a certain size they can't live because they can't bring in enough oxygen to survive. And that's actually called out in this episode where that spider has gotten too large uh, to survive, so it's going to die, but they have to deal with it. And uh, this is funny because they're in this hotel, and so there's a scene where they they go into the ballroom in the hotel, and they've got the doctor's got the stuff that they've made that's like the spider repellent that they made out of various scents. And you know, wa- essential oils. Yeah, the the oils that they take from the spa, which is a funny scene where they go and get that. But she's got this thing on her back, and they're all this group is striding into the the, the ballroom, and it's like I it don't, felt very Ghostbusters, I, right? I mean, I don't know yeah. if they intended it to be that way, but it was absolutely Ghostbusters, like exactly i i wanted i expected you know can we pull the the tablecloth off the table are they going to try to have it running around and probably the answer is the budget doesn't allow anything like that but it was totally a ghostbusters thing i i, I can't imagine I and mean, maybe it was unintentional but it seems like it would have to be intentional because you're in a hotel ballroom with a thing on your back uh and there's a giant monster uh, slash ghost it's like I, i'm guessing it was very intentional I, I hope so. I enjoyed I it. I hope so, too. I enjoyed it. I was like, oh, it's Ghostbusters. I know that. Uh, and that was great. And then Chris, no- this is Chris Noth's villain moment, which is that he's got a gun. And his only his only villainous thing is he decides, finally, I'm going to shoot something and it's going to be the big thing. And my disappointment here is that it seems super obvious and super heavy handed. And I almost wanted to be more like he like he's trying to be a hero like like he's oblivious to them saying no 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 you know don't do this don't and having them be be more like he he 
he thinks he's being heroic by doing this only for it to be revealed that he wasn't being heroic at all and he was killing a dying animal but the way it came off was more just like he's a jerk and he doesn't listen um and i i kind of would have preferred it being that like that that realization that you think you're the big hero but you're not but instead he just you know he does whatever he does and the damage i mean i suppose it's more appropriate in some ways to his character which is he's just going to do what he's going to do and it's going to cause damage because he's not thinking about the big picture and then he walks away essentially and yeah and it's always someone else's responsibility to clean up yeah after his mess he'll just throw money at it and it goes away i hadn't thought about it the way you did but but as you say it, yeah i think that would have added a, a, a lot to his character um but yeah, they were doing the the kind of ham fisted uh American billionaire uh kind of amalgamation character. So yeah. Yeah. Um let's see. Uh so at the end, the last scene, um Yaz is back, you know, with her family and they're still, you know, they're still uh kind of driving her crazy and they something's missing and she's like i'll go get i'll go i'm gonna head out to the shop and i'll go get it um and it's very clear as she's she opens the door and she looks back and this is the moment where you think as an audience member yeah she's not she's not coming back (laughs) yeah oh yeah yeah the look on her face yeah yeah i knew she was not coming back yeah, that it's a, a kind of a delightful moment where it, it's all there in the moment of of the show saying, "Here, here is why yes is not coming." She's like she's got her family, but you know she she this is not what she wants. She's been shown the universe. This is not what she wants right now. She's going to close the door on this. You know the the implication is that uh, they got back at, uh, thirty minutes after they left this time, so that, that she can get back here, which isn't always the case in Doctor Who. But you know that's probably mm-hmm. what she's thinking. Um, and uh, and and that leads to the to the last scene where where they're out by the TARDIS and they knock on the door and go in, and Graham says. Uh, you know, I want more of the universe. Grief takes time. I want more of the universe. And they all agree that they want to go. And again, in a very interesting thing that I don't feel like Doctor Who does, especially modern Doctor Who, where it's very much like, hey, time and space, come on. Yeah, let's what, go. Don't it's you, party time. Yeah, don't you want to join me? The Doctor here, she's very much like, be be sure you want to do this. Because... Um, I can't promise your safety and and it's going to change you. and, and the, this will change you and and to which Graham says and I you know I know people like to roll their eyes at Graham the old white guy on the crew but like Graham is an interesting guy and he says you know basically like well yeah that's what that's of course that's, it that's does. the purpose that's the whole point and and travel broadens the mind and you know they they this is not saying we don't like ourselves and we want to be different people but it's like this is an opportunity to learn and grow and change and we want to do that this is why we're on this and that that's all the doctor needs to hear right she wants them to come but she wants them to um, to know what they're getting themselves into this time because she also i think it's about her responsibility it's not like the doctor is 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 not always responsible for the companions but i feel like in this case she took them with her accidentally so she felt an extra burden um mm-hmm. since they were not willing participants and now they're willing participants and that whole scene made me wonder if at some point during this season we're going to have a scene where the doctor is coming to terms in some way with the fate of some of the companions you know like like we we have rose who is trapped in a alternate reality we we have donna whose mind was wiped um and we have uh which oh, geez, we have two companions that that were killed. Uh-huh. Um, and uh, yeah, anyhow, so so there have not been happy endings for the Doctor's companions, right? Right. Well, and that that's uh, it's funny because the the reality is that how do you in a modern television show, especially, explain a character deciding not to travel with the Doctor anymore? Like, what what would you do to make you? stop like what would it be what would it take to make you stop 
And I think it's interesting that neither Stephen Moffat nor Russell T. Davis had any really good answers to that because it was like separated by an impermeable barrier in in between parallel universes or with Donna it was very much like she needed to get out of the TARDIS because uh, of the unrequited love situation going on uh, that with Martha with Donna it was the mind wipe right and then like Mm -hmm. Amy and Rory get sent back in time that's right Uh, Clara uh, Clara, Stephen Moffat tried multiple ways of writing her out uh, before ultimately, uh, w- interestingly, like, it, I think one of, the, one of the best ways that Doctor Who has ever handled why a companion would stop traveling is Clara in, what was it, Mummy on the Orient Express, where she's basically like, I don't want to, in those, in right in there where she tells Peter Capaldi, like, I, you know, I don't want to do this anymore. This is, uh, this needs to be over. Like, I, I felt like that was actually a, a good explanation. And then, of course, she just keeps traveling until she turns into basically she gets her own TARDIS and gets to have her own adventures and there's this whole like okay so it's interesting here I kind of feel like this is also him laying the groundwork for why they will leave that that that's part of what's going on here is we see their lives we see why they're staying and we see why they want to have this experience to change them but it's also almost implicit in the way the doctor describes it like you will be changed when you you, when you leave and they're like yes that's what we want we want to have this experience and then when we walk out of the TARDIS door for the last time we will be different people yeah which is because yeah. in reality, would you ever leave? Like, no, you wouldn't. And there, it would be like, uh, and then they had adventures until they died of old age, uh, the end. And then now we meet somebody new, and that's not how TV works. So they can't really do that. It's uh, it'll be interesting to see how these companions leave. Yeah, yeah. I I wonder, um, I wonder what the what the plan is. I I hope that they are sticking around three is a lot but at the same time uh what did they say is uh, are they officially uh the team tardis now um team tardis yep <laughs> i i enjoy the three uh the three person team i think it's a fun variation they haven't done this other than like uh an episode here and there they really haven't done this since uh what uh tom baker peter davison era so it's been a long time since you've had the the larger group but i think it's kind of a fun dynamic um and yeah what how how will it go um you know are they i don't think anyone knows because the secrecy has been so great like nobody really knows what the end result is and you know there are lots of theories out there that maybe graham uh, you know, maybe there's some resolution with Grace, whether it he, you know, there are lots of theories like, does do they change things so that he takes her place? I feel like that's too Stephen Moffat and that's not going to happen. Maybe it's as simple as he... Um, he is ready to deal with the the remainder of his grief and st- takes a step off, or maybe they just all keep going and they're all in it next year too. I don't, I don't know. I don't think anybody knows what's going to happen. So that's part of the fun of it, I think. Yeah, it is. And what what I'm hoping is that the the companions are around for at least another season mm-hmm. because I'm really liking the the team. I was concerned with three companions when they announced that, you know, simply because that's a lot of people. And when they would do the the short story arcs where there'd be two or three people uh, tagging along with the doctor. I mean, it could get really busy, but it feels like we have a good balance here. And I, yeah, I, I hope that whatever it is that Graham needs to resolve, it takes more than one season or he resolves it and realizes that there's something bigger that he needs to, to do and sticks around and Rain and Yasmin, they, you know, they overcome what they need to overcome. And I want them to stay around is what I'm saying. Yeah, I agree. I think this is a good group when we got them. We're supposed to feel that now, especially because this is episode four and uh, we just got them together. We've seen where they're from. We know who they are. And now the journey, uh, the journey continues into next week. Anything else we uh, didn't talk about that you would like to mention now is probably a good time. We hopped around. Uh, Did did we miss something? we, We missed the sonic screwdriver. And the reason I'm bringing up the sonic screwdriver is because I was really concerned after the um the the race to the the TARDIS episode which was what episode 2 uh yeah it, 
it felt like the sonic screwdriver was the star of the episode and i was really worried that we we're just going to to see any issue that we needed to address getting sonic and that didn't happen so i'd what i'm much happier with the the sonic use in rosa and arachnids and uh uh, yeah, I'm glad it's not going to be a crutch. Right. We got a little psychic paper this time, too. So that's still <laughs> that there. That was fun. Yes. Yeah, and I think uh, I think that's one of Russell T. Davis's greatest innovations because it it allows you to bypass it, plot issues that are not like the old Doctor Who would, you know, they could burn 20 minutes just getting people uh, arrested and then having them escape or put in jail and then escape. And it's like, we don't need, no, we just don't need that. Let's short circuit that. So I was glad to see that too. I, I, I take, was so happy to see the Sonic I, paper. I take your point about paper. the Sonic screwdriver that uh, the thing I've noticed about it, I wonder if anybody else has noticed is it's very clear to me that Jodie Whittaker, perhaps with the help of somebody, has... A, I am doing the sonic screwdriver now move oh, where she flourish where she does that thing with a flourish and she starts high up and moves down and all that and I I it's the same every time which actually kind of bugs me a little bit it's like not it feels like it should be a little more casual and not quite as 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 uh, as flourishy as it is but I I, this time I wondered, I wonder if this was a thing where Jodie Whittaker is like, I'm waving a magic wand. I don't know how to do that. What is going on? Like, like that it's so, cause it's so unlike what most actors have to do with something. It's like, it is waving a magic wand. And I wonder if they worked on it where it's like, let's figure out a way for you to do it. And you just do that every time. Cause it's the same every time. And it's a little bit weird to me. Um, I think she's great. I, I think she was a fantastic, uh, choice for this part. But, uh, every time she gets out the Sonic Street, over and does the big sweep while she's got the little crinkly uh crinkly nose look on her <laughs> on her uh, on her face it's uh uh-huh. it's like it's like it's always the same so i don't know uh but yes i i agree that the sonic screwdriver is is uh it's great to move the plot along but that's really what it's for yeah um yeah. all right so so in in the end um enjoyable episode Absolutely. It was a lot of fun and it was it was a great episode for for Halloween week. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's true. Spooky spiders. They're just mm-hmm. actual spiders. They're just spiders, big spiders. Uh yeah, I agree. Fun um not if you're somebody who comes for the uh intricate puzzle box plots of Stephen Moffat, uh not for you like and if you're afraid of spiders not for you but for me character stuff jokes uh spiders that were there and had a kind of a tragic story and uh it you know that was it it had all i needed for an episode like this and i I feel like i've said this about several of the episodes this season if every episode was like this i would be unhappy but the great thing about doctor who is it is this variety pack and this Mm -hmm. week we got this episode last week we got a very very different episode and it can do that what other show can do episodes with those tones back to back uh yeah that's not an anthology series that doesn't have carryover characters like it's not possible but doctor who can do it that's the beauty and the versatility of it yep uh, it's one of the things I love about the show. And I just realized one other thing that I thought was a fun little detail that uh, would be easy to miss early in the episode. The, as the TARDIS is flying through its vortex, it hits a point where there's a hub and we see all these other vortex oh, yeah. tubes going off in different directions. I thought that was really cool. Yeah, I meant to mention that this is this is a new view of the time vortex we have for the last uh you know, 10 years, 13 years used essentially the um, time vortex of uh, the opening title sequence of, you know, basically the first one. It's more or less been the look of the time vortex when we've seen it. It's a it's a shimmery neon tube. Um, mm-hmm. And this one is not. This one is much more like the opening uh, sequence from this episode. And then, yes, not, not only that, but it, there's like a big, it enters a big kind of like big a hub a hub thing with a bunch of different holes going in different directions, which is a totally, I mean, it's not like um, the uh, the original thing, the original opening title sequence had the thing where it, you know, it stops and it turns and then it goes another direction and all of that. So there's some, you know, it, it's not the, like, 
like we haven't had a visualization sort of like this before, but this was different and it was interesting. And I like that because when you've got a new doctor, new showrunner, a whole bunch of new crew and uh, other creative people involved, uh, you know, yeah, have it be different. That's that's the I just finished uh, this is a total tangent, but um, I just finished reading this book that's about the kind of it's a like oral history of the history of Star Trek. And the thing that struck me the most about it. It's called Fifty Year Mission, I believe. The uh, mm-hmm. thing that thing that struck me most about it is actually that it reinforced something that I thought at the time, which is when you have one set of people running a show, essentially a show for twenty years, which is what happened because basically the people who did Next Generation just continued on and made more shows, and it was there was a lot of continuity, a lot of the same people there. Um, the shows get stale. And there are no new ideas. And the beauty of Doctor Who is that it's been back for 13 years, but it's really three shows. It's the 2005 to 2010 show, the Mm -hmm. 2010 to 2017 show, and now 2018 forward. And and that's good. Like it's it, even if you love the stuff that came before, the beauty of Doctor Who is not only do the main characters change, but the people who make the show change. And um and so here we are. I want it to be new. I want it to feel different. I want Chris Chibnall to say our time vortex is totally different. And it looks like this now, and it's got a big center part with a whole bunch of different tunnels and which tunnel are they going to go in? Like whatever, dude. Great. Oh, but speaking of dude. Uh, I can't yeah. believe I didn't mention that. That Jody Whittaker does a dude. I have all the authorization I never need, and I'm like, dude. And we laugh. My wife and I both laughed out loud. And then the best part is, then she turns to her friends and says, "Hmm, I call people dude now." <laughs> I thought that was so funny. <laughs> oh, that was fantastic. That is that's uh, that's a meme waiting to happen. I guess. Uh- Yes. <laughs> We're going to hear more about Dude, even if it's not in any more episodes. Nope, that's it. It's, it's in it, it's canon it's out now. There now. It's Doctor yeah. Who Canon Dude. I have all the authorization I ever need. As they're ignoring Chris Noth, who says, Oh, you authorize people only. The doctor is not interested in that because it's the doctor. Also, she says, I eat danger for breakfast, and not really. I actually prefer it. and goes into a list of things. It's like, yeah, it's it's funny. It's a good episode. Well, Jeff, thank you so much for coming on the Flashcast, and we got to spend an entire podcast talking about nothing but doctor who and it was absolutely glorious i loved it yes yes me too me too well we will be back with a doctor who flashcast next week for whatever next week week's episode is about and onward not onward but uh that's it for this time thank you to jeff thank you to everybody out there for listening i have been your host jason snell we'll see you next week Only in the